Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, church. It is great to see all of you today. So good to worship with you, whether you are in the room or whether you're joining us online. We are so glad you're here. We want to welcome you. This is week number three of our holiday sermon series called Joy, Joy, Oh Boy. And uh, actually, this is a fun series that really fits with the season that we're in right now. It's, it's fun, but it's also some pretty heavy stuff. This is a, a helpful series that addresses many of our holiday hang-ups. And of course, this is a wisdom series from the Old Testament book of Proverbs. As such, we have been learning that wisdom is what normally works best under difficult circumstances. Not what always works, but what normally works Best. And so we've been sharing some of the wisdom from the Proverbs that's connected to some of the struggles we face during the holidays. And some of those struggles include things like overspending, which we talked about last week, and overindulging, which we're talking about this week, and overreacting and overcommitting. And then we're going to wrap it all up on New Year's Eve. We're going to talk about the overwhelming feelings of sadness and grief many people feel during and after the holidays. And because of these sorts of things, we don't always enjoy the holidays as we should. Our theme verse for this series comes from Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, which says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Now, the New American Standard Bible says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Now, we want to have joyful hearts during the holiday season. We want to rejoice over the holidays. We don't want to have a crushed spirit during the holidays. We don't want to have reservations in the holidays or regrets after the holidays. You know, studies say 45% of all Americans would prefer to skip the holidays altogether. And so what we're doing with this series is we're going to turn that tide and discover how to rejoice in the holidays rather than resent them or regret them. And that brings us to our big idea for this whole series. Uh, You've heard it every week so far. Seek wisdom. Seek God's wisdom during the Christmas season so that you can rejoice over the holidays rather than regret them. Now, I have to begin today by confessing something to you that happened to me this past week. Something that happened that made me feel a twinge of regret already. Something that happened to me is just this past week that made me, I guess a word I could use is unhappy. Now, I want to backtrack and say that I went into this holiday season mentally prepared for all the stuff. I did. Like when I select a sermon series for special occasions, I don't just select them for you. I select them for me too. Like maybe sometimes it sounds like I'm preaching to you, but I'm, I want you to know I'm preaching to me as well. And, and so I'm like, well, not only will preaching this series help you have a healthier holiday season, it'll help me too. Maybe it'll hold me accountable. Got to practice what I preach, right? Yeah, and so Halloween, after Halloween, I normally have all of my kids come into the living room after all their trick-or-treating. 
and I have the kids lay out all their candy on the living room floor, and then I do the dad tax thing. How many of you do that? You know what that is, right? The dad tax thing? Of course you do. Now, I don't just take the stuff. I don't steal it, right? I don't force it, but I do pick out the really good stuff that I want, and then I ask the kids nicely to give it to me, maybe using a little bit of guilt. And normally they give it to me. I mean, why not? They've got gallons of candy. They can spare some of the Snickers and Kit Kats and Twix bars, right? But this year I was like, well, I know what's coming. Uh, I I don't want to make the same mistakes I normally make during the holidays. And I got to practice what I preach. And I knew what I was going to be preaching on. And and so I didn't do the dad tax thing. And, And honestly, I pretty much abstained from the Halloween candy altogether. And then heading into Thanksgiving week, same thing. I'm aware of what normally happens, not just for me, but for you too, for all of us. Like just about everybody eats too much and gains new weight during the holidays, right? Are you with me? Yeah? You know this to be true. I I shared this with you several weeks ago. But the average American adult gains one to two pounds every year. Over 10 years, the average American adult gains 10 to 20 new pounds of weight. Over 20 years, the average American adult gains 20 to 40 new pounds of weight. And I also shared that studies indicate how the weight is typically gained during the holidays. In fact, what normally happens is people tend to gain 5 to 10 pounds over the holiday season and then lose 4 to 8 pounds in the new year. And so we typically lose most of what we gain, but we don't typically lose all of what we gain. And over time, that amounts to one to two pounds of new weight every year. And that's why we typically put on 10 to 20 new pounds every 10 years. And so we go into Halloween and I'm like, no dad tax this year, not going to do it. And and then we go into Thanksgiving and I'm like, no overindulging on the Thanksgiving food, amazing as the Thanksgiving food is, I'm not going to do it, self-discipline, right? I mean, I love turkey, and I love mashed potatoes and gravy, and I love the stuffing, and I love the homemade bread, and I love the green bean casserole. I don't love the pumpkin pie. Like, I am not a pumpkin pie guy. Pecan pie is a different story. That's my thing. I love pecan pie. But I was like, I'm not going to abstain from eating all the amazing Thanksgiving food, but I am going to limit it. I'm not going to fill my plate. I'm not going to go back for seconds. I'm going to be disciplined, and I'm going to be healthy, no overindulging. And so that's what I did. I mean, I took some days off work, but I didn't take days off from the gym. I, I exercised every day. I ran every day. I actually went to the gym on Thanksgiving morning to lift weights. And I did a 5K afterward, and I was like, I got this. Now, the other thing I'm trying not to do is step on the scale every day because I don't want to obsess over that. And so I did not get on the scale at all during the Thanksgiving week. I waited until after. I waited until the week after, which was last week. And so, so I went for a run this past Monday morning, and when I finished my run, I was ready to get on the scale. I was, I was so ready like, I was going to be proud of myself for not overindulging. I was going to come uh, here and be able to brag, to, I mean, tell you all how I practiced what I preached. I was going to get on that scale, and I was going to weigh the same or less than the last time I got on the scale. And, uh, and so guess what happened? I gained five pounds. 
True story. I am not kidding. I don't even know what I did wrong. Actually, I think I do. I, I, I think it was our executive pastor, John Meredith's fault. I mean, they graciously invited us over to their home for Thanksgiving, and I think he put too much salt in the food. That's what I think. <laughs> I think it's his fault. I'm kidding about that. It is certainly not his fault, and the food was amazing. But I'm not kidding about not being happy about the numbers on the scale. I was not rejoicing. I was having some very real regrets, and now I'm having some reservations about the next four weeks. And so I just wonder this morning, are you with me on this? Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Can you relate? Did any of you have a similar experience this past week? Are there are, yeah, thanks a lot. Despite a great Thanksgiving, anybody having reservations? Are you one of the 45% who'd prefer to skip the holidays altogether? Or maybe you, you, like me, maybe you tried to stay healthy and maybe you actually did it. Or maybe you were like me and you tried to stay healthy and you fell short. And maybe you didn't try at all. Maybe you said, it's Thanksgiving, I'm feasting. Or maybe you're like, I ate too much and I drank too much and I slept too much and I will deal with it in January. Well, today I want to talk about something the Proverbs talk a lot about. But it's not something we like to talk about. And we like to, I think we like to talk about social sins. And, um, and, and sometimes for whatever reason, we, we like to talk about sexual sins. But, but, but we don't like to talk about what we're going to talk about today. And let me just give you an idea of our topic for today by reading from Proverbs chapter 23, verses 19 through 21. Here's what it says. It says, listen, my son, and be wise. Set your heart on the right path. Do not join with those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. For drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Now that sounds kind of like a warning, doesn't it? A wise warning. And what is this proverb warning us about? Well, obviously it's talking about drinking too much wine and eating too much meat, and it's talking about drunkenness and gluttony. And so I wonder, I, I just wonder, when was the last time you heard a sermon on drunkenness and gluttony? I didn't think so. So I did some math this past week, and I think, and, and I'm estimating here, I think I've preached around 3,000 times in my 24 years of being in ministry, and that might sound like a lot, but there were a number of years I was preaching four times every weekend. Around 3,000 times. Guess how many times I preached on gluttony? This is number two. And there's a lot of reasons for that, I imagine. I probably feel like I lack a little bit of moral authority on the subject. And I know it's a sensitive conversation. And of course, there's a lot of shame involved 
and shame isn't healing and it's not a good motivator. Shame doesn't change us. Romans chapter two, verse four says, it's God's kindness that leads us to change. It's not guilt, it's not shame. Kindness leads us to repentance. And so what I did is I went back a couple weeks ago and I, and I looked at the one message I preached on this topic. And this was seven years ago and I was hoping I could take a lot of the material and use it for this message, but, but I really couldn't. Like the last time I preached it, there was, there was too much shame in my approach. And yet this word gluttony, if you've been reading the book of Proverbs, you know this, it keeps showing up throughout the book of Proverbs. And, and honestly, even the word by itself sounds icky, right? Even the word itself brings out feelings of shame for people. And so we don't like to talk about it. But what is it? What is gluttony? Well, in the Bible, gluttony carries the idea of overindulgence. And that's really what we're getting at with today's message. We're getting at overindulgence. What do the Proverbs teach us about overindulgence? That's the question we want to answer today. And to overindulge means to have too much of something enjoyable, like food or drink. Did some research on the word. Synonyms include overeat, overdrink, greedy, overdo, gorge. I typed it into a search engine. Google definitions use uh, this line to describe the word overindulgence. We overindulge at Christmas. Right. I guess we're not the only ones. And so let me just say this as we, if we dig into this message. And maybe this will be helpful to you. The Proverbs don't necessarily intend to tell us what's right and wrong. They, they don't necessarily intend to, to point out what's good and evil. They, they tend to tell us what is wise and unwise. This whole idea of overindulgence is not necessarily a black and white issue. It's not necessarily a, a right or wrong issue, a good or evil issue. It's an issue of what's wise and what's foolish. And so at, at the very least, we can begin by saying, overindulgence is unwise. And what we're talking about today isn't so much a heaven and hell issue, it's a healthy and unhealthy issue. And overindulgence is unwise precisely because it's unhealthy. For instance, the, the proverb we just read essentially says, don't keep company with people who drink too much wine. Now, does that, does that mean it's always wrong to spend time with people who drink too much wine? The answer is no, that's not what it means. You say, well, how do you know? Well, look to Jesus. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. Jesus spent a lot of time with people who drank too much wine. Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, Jesus was actually accused of being a drunkard and a glutton, not because he was either one, but because he spent so much time with people who were. And so it's not wrong to keep company with people who drink too much wine. It, it doesn't even have to be a matter of right or wrong, but it can be a matter of wise and unwise, healthy and unhealthy. And you say, well, then why is it unwise to drink too much wine? Well, for one, it's not good for your body. Uh, for another, you can do things or say things you wouldn't otherwise do or say when you drink too much. And for another, you can get addicted to it and be controlled by it. And so overindulgence, whether it's food or wine or anything else, is unwise. And it's unwise because it's unhealthy. And the biblical word for overindulgence is gluttony, which means indulgence to the point 
of extravagance or waste. The Hebrew definition of gluttony means to shake out, to pour out, to squander something completely. It carries the idea of binging on something, binging on anything, craft beer, bag of chips, Netflix. In both the Latin and the English, the word gluttony comes from the same root word as gulp, and so it means to gulp something down. As such, we tend to think of gluttony and obesity as the same thing, but that's not quite right. It can be, but it's not necessarily so. Chris Donato of Legionnaire Ministries explains it like this. He said, two mistakes accompany most discussions on gluttony. The first is that it only pertains to those with a less than shapely waistline. The second is that it always involves food. In reality, it can apply to toys, television, Entertainment, sex, shopping, relationships. It's an excess of anything. One author powerfully wrote the following. He said, in my own life, I can see myriad ways in which gluttony has become an idol. I have an almost worshipful relationship with food. I eat for meals. I eat when I'm in between meals. I eat when I'm in my car. I eat when I'm bored. I eat when I'm restless. I eat when I'm frustrated. I eat when I'm watching TV. I eat when I'm on my computer. I eat constantly for no other reason that I can eat almost any time I want for any reason or for no reason at all. But I also starve my soul by other forms of overconsumption. I binge watch Downton Abbey for 31 hours and Battlestar Galactica for 57 hours even though I've already seen every single episode. I stay up too late gorging on Facebook and Twitter. I play countless hours of video games. I turn to Netflix instead of turning to prayer. I pause to check Facebook instead of pausing to meditate on Scripture. I seek out a piece of fried bread when instead I should be seeking the bread of life. I fill my life with comfort food and comfort games, with must-see TV and must-engage social media in order to avoid filling my time with God and His Word. Raise your hand right now if you're feeling a little bit convicted. Gluttony can pertain to the overdoing of just about anything. And so try to think about this for a second. Uh, what are some of the things that, that you might overdo during the holidays? Just kind of bring something to mind. What are the things we tend to overdo during the holidays? I mean, obviously we can overdo the food, right? Yeah, we can overdo the food. Uh, sometimes we can overdo the drinks. Sometimes we can overdo the Christmas lights, Clark. Sometimes we can overdo the Christmas presents and our spending. Sometimes we can overdo our commitments. Sometimes we can overdo the Christmas sweaters. But on a more serious note, and this is number one if you're taking notes today, sometimes overindulgence is a character problem. Sometimes overindulgence is a character problem, whether it's food or alcohol or whatever else it might be. When we overindulge, we might be allowing a sin of some sort to reign in our lives. Overindulging is not always sinful, but sometimes it is sinful. 
Especially when whatever we're overindulging in becomes an idol or an obsession or a master over our life, then we're giving it the kind of power in our life that only God should have. Then it becomes a sin problem. Then it becomes a character problem. When it's something we're, we're hiding, then we're being dishonest and that's sinful. When it's something we're using as a coping mechanism or a comfort mechanism, it's providing something for us that God intends to provide for us elsewhere. And that's serious. So serious, in fact, that Proverbs 23, 2 says this, put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. Now, listen, that's hyperbole. That is not meant to be taken literally. It is not saying our lives aren't worth living. What it's saying is we should take this struggle seriously. It means we, we shouldn't just excuse character problems or sin problems as no big deal. Instead, when, when we're battling with something that's causing us to struggle or causing us shame, if it's something we're hiding, we need to bring it into the light. And the way the Bible tells us to take seriously, sin seriously, is confession and repentance. Character problems require confession and repentance. In fact, the Bible teaches us that confession leads to repentance. And, and by the way, repentance simply means to change. Confession leads to change in our life. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins... God is faithful and he is just and he will, he will forgive our sins, but he will not just forgive our sins, he will also heal us from that unrighteousness. He will change us. To confess is to acknowledge there's a problem. Without acknowledging there's a problem, we're not gonna experience healing from the problem. Without bringing our struggles into the light, we'll never see the light of change. Now sadly, what what actually happens when we don't confess our struggles, when, when we instead keep our sins in hiding, they move from being a character problem to a compulsive problem. When you don't confess your struggles, but you hide them instead, you give them even more power in your life. They become obsessions and they become compulsions that you have almost no power to confront or deny. And so that's number two. Sometimes overindulgence is a compulsive problem. Now, if it's a character problem, if it's a sin problem, confession can lead to change. But if it's a compulsive problem, you can want all the change in the world. You can strive for all the change in the world. You can self-loathe and self-discipline yourself to death, but you're not going to overcome it alone. You're going to need something more. Compulsive problems require not only faith, not only a community of people, not only the Holy Spirit in your life, but they also require counseling and treatment. Proverbs 15, 22 says this, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. If overindulgence has become a compulsive problem for you, I would just say, please see a counselor. Actually, I don't even know what my next steps are. We'll set up a meeting with Jimmy Akers. He's our care pastor here at FCC. He can advise you. He can encourage you. He can direct you. He can also refer you to a professional. Again, compulsive problems require counseling and treatment. Until you're ready to go that route, you're not going to find the healing you need. 
So number one, sometimes overindulgence is a character problem. Number two, sometimes overindulgence is a compulsive problem. And here's number three. Sometimes overindulgence is a community problem. Like it might not be a character problem for you or a compulsive problem for you, but it might just be a community problem. Like, like the community that you're a part of brings that struggle into your life or fans that struggle into dangerous flames. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 7 says this, a companion of gluttons disgraces his father. And this proverb acknowledges that sometimes, and, and I want to say sometimes because we don't, want to, we don't want to shift responsibility to somebody else, right? But sometimes the problem isn't you. Sometimes the problem is the community that you're hanging out with. And that's a hard lesson to learn, but it's a good lesson to learn. In fact, there, there are a number of Proverbs that talk about this. And you know this if you've been reading through the book of Proverbs throughout this series. There's a number of Proverbs that talk about the company you keep and how they affect you. Many, in fact. Likewise, in, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, the Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, bad company corrupts good character. And so if you spend all your time with people who eat all the time for entertainment, guess what you're going to do? You're going to eat all the time. Spend all your time with people who drink all the time for entertainment, go bar hopping every Friday night, guess what you're going to do? If you're, you're with partiers all the time, guess what you're going to do? So here's the deal. Community problems require a new kind of community. You might need to leave your food-loving community behind and join a fitness-loving community. You might need to leave your drinking community behind and join a recovery community. You might need to leave your partying community behind and join a faith-filled community. If bad company corrupts good character, it stands to reason that, that good company heals bad character. And thankfully, Jesus offers us good company through his church. And oh, by the way, that's another reason being part of a healthy church is so important. The company you keep is a significant theme in the book of Proverbs. And there's just so much wisdom there. There's so much helpful wisdom in the book of Proverbs. It's helpful for thriving in life and for surviving the holidays. And that's why our takeaway for this series has been to read through the book of Proverbs in the month of December. One chapter a day. There's 31 chapters, there's 31 days that could enrich your life in extraordinary ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need wisdom. All of us, we need wisdom. We don't need our wisdom, we don't need the world's wisdom, we need your wisdom. And so we pray for it today and every day. Give us the wisdom necessary to navigate this Christmas season in the healthiest ways possible so that we can rejoice over the holidays and not regret them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.